This is how I win. How'd that get in there? Were you rushing or were you dragging? I drink your milkshake. What am I going to do with a soul anyways? You show me a pay stub for $72,000 on it, I quit my job right now and I work for you. Yeah, Jake, it's Chinatown. Yo, Jack of all trades nation, what is up? Tay, what's going on, my dude? Dude, it's it's been a minute since our last pod. It's been uh it's been almost two months. What what happened? Like we we did an episode on soccer and that just took the wind <laughs> out of our sails. That's what happened. We had a great a World Cup though. Yeah, for some people. I mean, sorry, Brazil, but you know Messi had a good go, that's for yeah. sure. Dude, I've seen so many movies since our last pod. Like, so much stuff, and I'm here to talk about it, and I'm excited. Taking off. Bilma, what's going on, dude? Not much, man. Excited to be back on. You know, like, I think the last time I was on, we did the horror pod, right? Ooh, the mega pod. The mega horror pod. And then we were talking, doing the Christmas movies, and that just never happened, so. And then you had a a kid, and that's kind of things in hiatus, so. Congrats to you. Thank you, sir. Uh, congrats and condolences. Having two kids yeah. is no joke, as yeah. you know. I can I can tell. Yeah, by looking at you, I'm spent, bro. <laughs> I'm spent. The kid wakes up every hour between midnight and seven a.m. Not I'm not here for it. I don't like it. No, that's good times. Uh, yeah, yeah. Christmas episode. Uh, you know, maybe next year. We'll see. We just went so hard with the Halloween. I know. You know, I think that's enough for the for the audience to digest, and then we can hit them again next year with the Christmas stuff. All right. So, we'll get there. Yeah, let's talk football real quick, Tay. Your Vikings, what happened? I'm sorry. Still repping the hat. I see. I see. You okay? Uh, you you um, recovering? It hurts, man. It hurts because I don't think the Giants are that good. And but you know the Vikings defense is is absolute ass. Um, Kirk Cousins did what Kirk Cousins does and choke in, in big moments. So, you know, it's it's a little bittersweet. 13 and 4 is pretty good, but it's a pretty weak 13 and 4. So, um, yeah, I on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm probably like a 3 right now for the future <laughs> of the good. team. But yeah, you're probably feeling much better with the Niners kicking ass and everything. So, yeah, yeah Niner Nation right here. Uh, let's see what happens with Big Cock Brock on Sunday. Let's see if we can give it to the Cowboys. Yeah, that'll be a big game. Should be fun. I'm excited. I don't. It feels in, in so improbable to have Brock Purdy win a Super Bowl, but you just got to live week to week. That's how the NFL works. So we just got to beat the Cowboys this week. That's all that matters. Yep. We'll see what happens next. I I just feel bad for you, Taylor, because you're probably going to be losing the division to Jared Goff next season. So. I just, I just feel bad for you, man. That's, I just wanted to bring it up, just let you know I'm, I'm thinking of you in these trying times. Thanks, man. As a Vikings fan, all you know is pain, so that's cool. That's true. Yeah. That's true. One of the harder, uh, harder hit franchises, I would say. Well, gents, we've got a full load of movies to talk about today. The last few months have been, I think, a solid movie stretch. When you say overall, or what? It still doesn't feel like peak. I, I may I don't know, maybe it's my perspective, but the twenty tens felt like between October and January, just a lot of solid movies to go see. Uh almost every year. And the last few years has felt pretty weak. 
So are we getting back yeah. to form or what's going on? Bilmo, what's your thought? Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, to, I guess to some extent that there's just, there is a lot I still haven't seen, you know, there's like, yeah. Banshees of, of Eni Sharon, the Tar mm-hmm. movie. I haven't seen the whale. Like there's a lot of the Fablemans, like a lot of big movies that are up for Oscar, you know, and award season movies. I, I haven't been able to get out and see as many of those, but it kind of, yeah, I, I feel like it's somewhat getting back to form, you know, uh, you know, October to January is generally when you can expect the heavy hitters to come in mm-hmm. and, because they're all playing for award shows now. And so, um, yeah, I feel like there's plenty out there to see and that's apparently worth watching. All those movies I mentioned uh, apparently are, are all worth watching. And so I, there's a lot of homework I got to do still. I'm feeling that tell you, I think you've seen a lot of movies recently, maybe a few more than me and Bill Mo have. So since November, let's see, I've seen the menu Banshees, um, Fablemans, Violet Knight, Avatar, Babylon, Glass Onion, White Noise. I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of stuff in the past couple months. I like how you slipped in Violet Knight in there. Like that would <laughs> yeah. warrant bringing up, but keep <laughs> fair. You did watch it. I, I've spent a lot of time with the movies. I mean, yeah. I've seen Avatar three times. So, yeah. Which I we'll mean, we'll unpack that. Let's let's talk about Glass Onion. Which came out very limited release around Thanksgiving for a week and then got pushed to Netflix um, right around Christmas was when it dropped, I believe. What did you guys think? What was your gut? Uh, I'm assuming we all saw Knives Out, the first one. Mm -hmm. We had a nice little follow-up, and it seemed like he had a big budget for this one. Bilmo, initial thoughts? What what was your uh, gut check on that movie? The gut check was I had a great time. I was able to catch it in theaters for that one week that it was open. And yeah, I, I had a great time with it. It's a great mystery. I love Daniel Craig's character. I like the cast. Um, you know, it, Edward Norton was, it just, it was a, a plethora of characters. Some, you know, like, uh, Kate Hudson, we haven't seen it in a long time. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of these, honestly, like heavy hitters back in the day, um, all coming together for, I, I thought the cast worked, you know, and I, I had, a, my gut reaction was I had a good time. Mm-hmm. it's a fun movie it feels like there's less movies in this space where it's just fun it's like a fun hang for yeah x you know two hours or whatever yeah, it's it was. not trying really to be more than it is you know yep. it knows what it is it's not trying to i don't know slip some i mean sure i i, I get ryan johnson has some of his messages or narratives or themes or whatever he can throw in there but it's it's really meant to just enjoy. I'm not I'm not sitting there afterwards like picking it apart, thinking about it. It's just no. That was a that was a really fun movie. I agree. It it is a fun. It's like fun to see how he assembles all these different people and can yeah. weave these these threads that are compelling enough to, you know, go for the ride and you're not bored as you're going through it. Taylor, right. what do you think of his formula, man? Of where he's kind of essentially making an anthology around these movies, you know? Yeah, with Daniel feel, Craig at the center. It feels kind of like White Lotus a little bit to me. Uh huh. Where it's it's kind of a formula, and he might kind of change the formula moving because this the second one's a little bit different than the first. I think just in its kind of structure, considering 
like you supposedly know what like what happens right at the very beginning and then it kind of like goes back in time type of a thing where it's it was a little different that way um yeah i think i watched it at home on streaming on netflix and i wonder if my experience would have been different if i would have saw it in theaters like bilmo i feel like movies in general just feel less significant or substantial when you watch Impactful. it for the first time on netflix i don't know i agree it's got, it feels 100%. different when i, I, I agree I was going to say, I wish I had seen that one in theaters. And I think I absolutely would have, but the one-week window made it hard to actually get out there and see it. And there were it, limited showings where we live. For it. Where, yeah. So it was kind of difficult to make it out to, to see it. Because like, I watched it like on a like a weekday afternoon over the Christmas break or whatever. And it was just, I don't know. It was just chill. It was fine. I had a good time. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about big budget movies going right to streaming. I don't. I don't know if I'm for it, if I'm being honest. No, I I, I totally agree. And I think a lar- in large part, it is because you are dedicating those. Like when you go to a theater, you're dedicating that time to the movie. Whereas at home, you're not ne- you're not really dedicating your time to it. I mean, you got your phone, you got other things that you can get up and do. Pause it and go do whatever you, you know what I mean? It's like all of these things I think come into play that do for sure detract from the ultimate experience. I do think seeing it in the theater helped elevate, you know, any, anybody else's experience that just had it on Netflix at home. It's just, it's a totally different feel. Like I, I actually watched probably 80% of it cause I, I went with my brother to see it. So Paris, my wife wanted to watch it. And so I was watching it with her on Netflix and it, it's, it does play differently. It just does. Mm-hmm. And so it's too bad in some ways. Yeah, it's a it's a treat in a way to just have it at your disposal, um, especially for us, you know, burdened yeah. pa- pa- young parents with kids. It's hard to find sitters sometimes get to the theater. And so you're like, yeah, OK, I can just watch it at home. But some movies like really suffer from not being in the crowd and being there for a laugh or a, a twist or right. the things you get in that setting. And I wish the streaming experience could be more impactful because it almost always doesn't hit the same way, mm-hmm. but it's weird. Cause you could find like, you could watch whatever, like a classic that's just been around forever. Something made in the nineties, something watch it at home. And that could be just like a spiritual experience for you. But for whatever reason, when you watch a brand new movie via streaming, it feels less. And yeah. I can't put my finger on why that is. Yeah, no, I I agree. It's true. It's not like I can't watch any of these other movies at home and it's, you know, I can't enjoy them or they're not as good. It's just, it is, it's true. I don't know what it is. I can't. And I guess what, what one question I do want to pose on, on Ryan Johnson, because um, I did see some chatter on Twitter um, from some people about, they thought it was Glass Onion specifically was lazy writing. Mm. Now maybe we are we willing to talk spoilers? I mean, it's been out. Oh yeah, this is a spoiler pod. Let's go. So I, I and I and the more I thought about it, initially I was like, look, why don't you just enjoy the movie? Like it's not that bad. <laughs> but then the more I thought about it, it's like writing her, writing the main character to have a twin, identical twin sister, is pretty lazy. It's incredibly like, lazy. <laughs> like it's the like the whole twist is like, oh, it's an identical twin sister. It's just like really like that's 
it's not smart writing. It's not. No. But it's not, you know, just because it's not smart doesn't mean it's the movie isn't, it's not fun. The movie's well, fun, regardless. And the, and the fact it's played by the same actor makes it even lamer, I think. Yeah. Because, like, that's you, the could thing. Have, you could have two identical twins and they might have a certain different feel or vibe. Like, I've seen that before in other, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of identical twins I've seen. So, like, uh, sister, sister, right? They're identical twins. But I yeah. feel like there's a little bit of a difference between them. Like, the way they. No. I don't know. I also think like they had a very intimate relationship with the OG member of that crew, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they knew her through college, through their careers. Like they knew her as a person, not the identical twin. So to think that she could just masquerade as her sister, I I don't think it's very authentic. Like if you just met a pair of identical twins, sure, you probably wouldn't be able to tell maybe off the top. But like when you really know somebody, you know people can't just copy each other perfectly. I, that's my opinion. And do you think it's a little kind of weird how easily they accepted Benoit Blanc like into the group? Like they just yeah. kind of shows up and yeah. he's just like, eh, it's cool. You can hang out. We didn't yeah. actively invite him, but he's here. So let's just Because the murder hadn't happened yet. I mean, right. it had, which we found out. It did happen, yeah. but nobody knows that it's happened yet. And so it is it is weird that, like, he's there, but they just accept it, you know? I mean, again, I, I it, lo- it's... Oh, go ahead. I'm just going to say I, I'm very grateful you brought this up because I'm a known Ryan, uh, <laughs> Ryan Johnson-like hater in a way. I think a lot... I, he's done some stuff that I think is really good, but there's other stuff like Last Jedi and stuff. I think he kind of gets up his own ass with how he does it. And I actually yeah. think Glass Onion is like, he does get up his own ass a little bit. For with sure the way he does. These things ru- but the whole setting is fun enough that I'm like, eh, all right, whatever. Yeah, like the, the movie is, it, you can still enjoy the movie. It's not, right. it's like all of these things, these flaws with it or whatever you want to call them. It doesn't mean it's unwatchable. It doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. It doesn't mean the performances aren't great. You know what I mean? Like it, it looks good. It's It's a well-made movie, but it's, you know, there's it's lazy writing, and yeah, some of the things are do I like you said. I think he does get up his own ass a little bit sometimes in his writing, and, it, and, I've and they're that. not even mysteries. Like I don't think the first Knives Out was a mystery. I don't think this movie's a mystery, but it's sold as like this big tangled web that Binyan Block has to untangle. And I'm like, we know Edward Norton's the bad guy the whole time. We know it. We know he's behind all the bullshit. We knew Chris Evans was behind all the bullshit in the first one. Like there was no twist. Like we knew that. Like, well, and I don't, I, I don't know how he can't like make it more hidden because everything feels very in front of you the whole time. Yeah, I think the best mystery films are ones where you could actually piece it together by paying attention to what's going on behind the scenes and actually putting it together. Whereas in Glass Onion, it would be impossible to solve that beforehand. Yeah, because the way you, it's edited, it's the yeah. I, well, and the identical twin. It's it yeah. is it's just and all this like stuff that a... happened previous that we'd have no yeah. idea. Yeah, it's impossible right. for the audience to even guess or yeah. So th- this one is structured differently for that reason because it's like oh now it's it's the big information reveal that we have halfway through that now we can piece it together, and it's like oh okay well, I mean if the, that's that's just the. It doesn't have to be a certain way, right? That's just the way he chose to do it. It just seems the whole. It, it just seems very convenient, you know. I I just think like it almost just feels like he's writing the script and he needs some sort of angle on it. And writing an identical twin sister just seems like the most convenient writing 
you know, it's like, a cop out for not coming yeah. up with a more convincing way to maybe have had her survive or create more intrigue yeah. around everything. I don't know. Or just and or create a setting in which the audience is is able, like you said, Taylor, to like kind of piece things together or figure it out. It's the movie's not really built that way. It's just so, Yeah, I agree. It's not built that way. And I wanted to ask Taylor, like, he has a very specific way of what he shows on film to be like you see a scene and then later you realize oh that was a deceitful scene like you mm-hmm. didn't see everything actually there yeah. where like he actively omitted something from the shot that was actually present the whole time and i actually think that like you said it's kind of lazy as in he can just always trick you because he's actively just erasing things with movie magic it's not, not actually, because you're dumb it's, it's not because you're dumb right yeah, because like I think of like the Prestige, right? That's oh, got a big mystery up. to it. There's little things throughout the entire Prestige that you could put together the twist and the mystery if you're paying attention. At the it's, end, it all comes into focus. And it all comes together, and yeah. it's satisfying because you're like, "Oh shit, that stuff all was shown on screen." And then, yeah, then and you I rewatch it. Of it. Yeah, the rewatch values. It's worth it because you can go back and be like, "Oh, okay, now that I know, I'm gonna go back and watch." certain things play out and i think mm-hmm. ryan johnson kind of attempted to do that with yeah. glass because you can watch rewatch glass onion and then you pick up on the things that like ed norton was saying that uh yep blanc was pointing out that he sounds like an idiot you know he's basically <laughs> just a billionaire dumbass but those aren't necessarily i don't know they're not as interesting you know i i actually think the first one is superior i really like the first one Mm. um i like the mystery the mystery's better i kind of like the crew and the the story i I don't know and maybe it's because i've had you know three years four years to to sit with it and rewatch it whereas this one i don't see myself going back to rewatch this one as much as the first one it's a it's a one and done for me it's not satisfying to rewatch in my opinion i don't know why but i felt like i might have liked the second one more for the fun factor yeah, which is kind of weird. But I do think the first one's superior in almost every way. So I don't know why that is. <laughs> yeah, it is it is a better mystery. It's smarter. It's, yeah. you know, I don't know. The cast itself is probably superior, too. I mean, it, it's interesting. I think they both hold up in their own ways. And I think it's like we were saying is if you just take them at surface value, it's going to have a great time. But if you were like really dive into it and try to invest in the way it's all really set up, I think it's kind of surface level. Yeah. That's okay. Just, Some of it falls I just, apart. I just yeah. didn't find the ending satisfying either when they just blow up the compound. And yeah. Destroy everything. I didn't yeah. like that. I, I didn't, didn't like, like it. it. It didn't feel like, Oh yeah, you get them. Like I was just like, this is kind of dumb. That was the smashing because... the stuff, stuff was so long. Oh, it was, it was long, and it just I kept it going and going, long. and then it was like, yeah, I, I agree. The, I forgot about that. That ending does kind of suck, because the, the first <laughs> one's, because they're all assholes, right? They're all assholes, And yeah. so why do all of them get just sort of this redemption or freedom from Edward Norton? Whereas I love in the first one, all of them are screwed out of the yeah, house. the will. And they're, <laughs> the will, and they're all just yeah. stuck with, because they're all assholes, and it's like, great. Uh-huh. None of them get it, and Anna de Armas is just left with the house and everything, and it's like, yep. that's such a better ending. Yeah, I didn't like this. It was just kind of like a big, like, middle finger to billionaires, and it was that was kind of like, okay, is this Ryan Johnson coming through mm-hmm. a little bit 
on little thick, I think, with the, it, yeah, the messaging. Yeah, it's rich but people whatever. shitting on rich people. Oh, cool. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think this movie's like a pop song. It's it's not gonna be one that like changes your life or is extremely memorable, but it's also pretty inoffensive. Because I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes and it's got a 92% critic score and a 93% audience score. So I mean. People liked it. I think yeah. it's fine. There's nothing I, really. I, say, I liked it. Right. It's fine. Like, I had a good you know? time. Yeah. Right. Are it's you going inoffensive. to see? Are you going to see Knives Out three? One hundred percent. I'll be there. Yeah. Taylor. I mean, yeah, I'll watch it for sure. I don't know if I'll go to the theater, but I'll watch it on Netflix for sure. I'm just saying, like the the second one didn't like devalue the franchise for you, where you're like, yeah, I kind of get what this is all about. I don't need to see anymore. <laughs> Dude, there's so much dog shit being created that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll still. I think this is still a lot better than a lot of, a lot of yeah, things being made by, right now. By Netflix standards, Glass Onion is, and it's you know the a best. ninety-three, ninety-five <laughs> percent. Yeah. Like no yeah. question, I'm watching that over more than half the crap that's on Netflix. So, yep, yep. Here, here. I last minor ass beef. I thought Kate Hudson was so spotty in this movie. I thought she had some takes that were just horrendous. Dude, like, I what's thought, What's the last movie she's been in? I thought I she no retired. Idea. I don't know. No I, I, I I enjoyed her performance. I mean, I didn't really catch anything that I was like, I thought I felt was off. I mean. There was a few like screen, like you could tell she had to react to something. And I was just like, oh, that was the best take you had. Like, I felt like that was like three or four times where <laughs> well, she had to be like, oh, I'm scared. Or like, oh my gosh. And I was like, oh, this is bad. She's not but exactly I, like a prestigious actor, though. No, I just was like, man, set her up a little better. It just felt like they left her a little flat in a few spots. And I thought overall she had the whole the right feel for the character. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I thought you could have gave her a little more a little more there. Cool. Well, Ryan Johnson, do your thing. Let's see what you got for the next one. I'll go see it. I do like Daniel Craig's weird Southern accent yeah. vibe yeah. thing. I think it's fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I love his character. He needs to, I, I he's he's easily the best part of both movies. So he, I think he has a blast. Any movie he gets mm-hmm. to do an accent, I think he's all on board. Okay, well, we're gonna now turn to a much more serious topic um, on the podcast, and we don't like to get too serious here. But our brother on the pod, Taylor, he's kind of really fallen off the wagon, like really. <laughs> really falling off the wagon i think he's turning blue or purple or whatever the fuck they are he's an avatar person now like straight up bro let's go oh my gosh taylor has now seen 10 hours of avatar just with the second movie in the last month bro what is going on dude dude i i don't know what happened it just kind of snuck up on me i've just been i've been blown away by this movie I I think it's incredible. I I think the spec, just the experience in the theater, man. I haven't had something like this in a while. Top Gun Maverick was awesome, but this is just hitting a different itch I had for just like next level visual effects. It just it set a new bar for me. So damn, Doug, are you putting this above <laughs> Top Gun? You put know. this above Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> no, the fact that know. you even have to think about it is. <laughs> Is insane. So my my oh, question God. is: Were you a big Avatar? Like, were you no, amped no. for this movie? Did you love the first one? It's, like, it, it snuck up on me. No, I I didn't particularly love the first one, but I've just I don't know. I've I've connected with Avatar two. I'm all in on 
the kind of the, the world building he's doing in the next three sequels. I want to see what happens when he goes to the fire tribe. Like I'm, I'm all in like, so you connected I'm, with Spider I, for some Spider reason. Bro. I, I like that I like that they expanded it to like solely being a dad. He's got all these little avatar kids running around and shit, and they and then there's some weird mysteries going on, like the Sigourney Weaver kid. Why avatar. is Sigourney Dude. Weaver his <laughs> why is she daughter? in this movie? Yeah. Because that's James Cameron's bud, you know? So had to do yeah, her but, solid. But can you explain that to me? How she is his daughter? Like Sigourney Weaver. Is she kid? his daughter? That's so that's so that's a mystery. So Sigour- <laughs> Sigourney Weaver's avatar body had a right. baby on Pandora. They don't know who the father is. Her avatar like passed away, and so then solely adopted that. Daughter. Oh, so it's adopted daughter. Yes. So that's not his kid. So his kids are Mateum, Loak, and Two. <laughs> so. I could not tell you holy anybody's holy. name in this movie. I have I've, no idea. I've seen it. I could probably recap this entire movie if I had to. Yeah, like, I know. You've seen it three times. Yeah, I have. So we don't need the full recap. There's though. some fun mysteries, man. We're going to find out why does she have such a connection to AWA? There's a reason for that. You know, which what's AWA again? That's like the, the planet, mother, right? Like the godmother spirit of the planet thing. Uh, going on. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Pandora is the planet. And then, yeah, AWA is like. Yeah, it's like Spirit. a spiritual force. Like or the something. force, kind of. Yeah. That's how she controls all the fish and shit. Yeah, she's got like a connection. We don't know why yet. We'll probably find that out later. Because she got pregnant from the earth, bro. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's a it's a Anakin Skywalker situation. That's yeah. that's my that's my thinking. I like they brought Quaritch back. I like that they resurrected him into that Avatar body. Quaritch is the of, villain. Gee, yeah, that's the word. That's one of the big down <laughs> negative things of this movie. Is the shit was lazy. recycling <laughs> villains now and plot lines instead of uh, unobtainium. Now they're harvesting whale serum that's it's called Amrita, dude. Three <laughs> times as four times as much as you know, it's 80 million a vial instead of 20 million a vial. And it's just like they recycled a bunch of shit. And it's just like, really? Like, this is look. Let's, let's. I guess we can just start breaking it down. Go in, dive <laughs> let's go, in, bro. Let's go for the. Let's go for the positives. Let's get those out of the way. Okay. I like the world building. I'm there for it. I liked how it looked. I saw it on IMAX 3D, so it's the ultimate experience. Did you see and the high frame rate? I don't know. I, I don't know what that was. I just it was IMAX 3D. I don't know if that was a the high frame rate was another option or not. But um, it I, it looked it looks good. It's 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 yeah it, the spectacle's good i like the world building and you know some of the action was great um toward especially towards the end um and that's honestly about it for me <laughs> like i can't really like as I, far as like the story go like the, the the main problem for me was really it it never achieved like making me care about anybody in this movie the plot the story and like the character arcs I just, I could not like get on board. Spider detracted from about every single scene he was in. <laughs> um, painful. Painful. The, the outcast whale? That Too whole, much. That whole storyline should have been in the Icon, director's dude. cut. He bangs that whale though, bro. He, he does. bangs the whale. He gets in there. <laughs> he does. He, he sneaks in. That does happen. I'm telling you, I mean, that that alone, that sequence alone, that, that would shave off at least... 30 minutes if we just took out the whole outcast whale storyline and that's the whole point of avatar dude dude it's 
Look, it's the I world get, building. It's just I hanging get it. out in Pandora. That's what it's Why all about. Why do you need an outcast whale to <laughs> world build? Like, just show. Like, I don't show the whales. Great, but like now there's like a subplot of of amongst the whales. There's this outcast whale. That dumb yeah, shit, dude. You can't, can't, can't judge a book or a whale by for some cover, reason. Dude. The other whales blame this whale for killing all the other whales, and it's just like that. That's my issue. Is like, why am I supposed to care about this? I never. Redemption, though. Dude, stop! No, he's, no one cares. Oh, right on this. Nobody cares about the whales, dude. No one. No one. That, that's my problem. It's not like I get it. Like the whale had a redemption. These, but nobody cares. Like the messages and themes and arcs are there, but the dialogue is so horrific and the storylines are felt so recycled. I was just like, I'm, I'm just looking at something cool. I'm not really There's invested so... in what's going on. There's so many characters outside of the whales that you could go get to know them better, understand yes. them more, flesh out scenes for them. Why did we have to stick with the whales so much, dude? Why? All those they kids can just... could have been better developed. Soli could have been better developed, but they just hit yeah. everything just like, this is it. Eh. Whales are good. Evil military corporations are bad. Let's fight. It's like so yeah, stupid. Dude, it, it was bad. It was bad. Do you think the actors actively know the writing is, is horrible? The screenplay is horrible, but they're like, eh, this is a pretty cool movie, though. I mean, it's going to look insane. It just feels weird that they can't get a little more on the story screenplay level when they put so much right. into the visual uh, display. Yeah. It's like so much time and focus is, is, is on the production and how it looks and, and the world building that like all of like the actual building, like p pieces that you need to like really glue all of that together. They go by the wayside. Like, yeah. The right. real intricate scenes that you need in order to like really piece this world together to make me care about it just aren't there. Like I just imagine like Sam Worthington just like saying a line and him looking over and just being like, You think that works? And James Cameron's <laughs> just like, Yeah, fuck it, dude. It's fine. <laughs> you know, like just yeah, film like it, dude. Spider. Look at Spider, dude. Look at Spider. Every single word out of his mouth. And I would just be like, How is he not recasting him? Like pull a back to the future and just you know, reshoot everything you did with Spider. I, I kind of like else they there. all talk like they're California surf bros. Like I, I kind of, I kind of enjoy that personally. And like, hey, bro. Hey, bro. <laughs> hey, cause, bros, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like this is like a, I don't think they knew that they were getting a sequel after the first one when it came out. What do you mean? And, and I think that this is, well, it didn't, mean? they it didn't, didn't know that it didn't crush it opening weekend. You know, you know like it, it yeah, slowly. I'm talking about the first one. They didn't know. That's why it took 13 years. It wasn't like it was in production right after the first one. So I think that in this one specifically, it's kind of like a reset for the franchise. It's like, we've introduced you with the first one. Cause the first one's kind of like a closed end story a little bit. So it kind of felt like he was kind of resetting it for a completely different story going on, like a longer End story. So I think the so character. You're saying the first gonna... movie was made, and he's like, I have no idea if people are going to like this movie or not. And then it yeah. went on to gross, a, you know, the most ever at the time, and then, you and know, then, he... then build off yeah. of it. Yeah, that's that's my that's my theory personally, because like I think that this story is a little different than the first one, and I think the idea is to 
flesh a little out the different. characters. It's a flesh little different than the it's first not one. different, but yeah, it's to flesh out different. No, to it's... flesh to flesh out the characters <laughs> over multiple arcs in di- in multiple movies. What are we fleshing out though? There's no growth. Well, I think it's more with the kids, you know. Yeah, what are the kids doing? Well, we have the one Sigourney Weaver mystery thing going on. We got his son kind of becoming a man. His story. We got solely learning how to be a dad. There's like different things going on, man. Right. Like I, I get what you're saying. Like I get that. Like number two isn't supposed to solve, resolve everything, and should be, ca- and all arcs should be fulfilled. It's I just don't care about it. Like he <laughs> fails to just really make me care, and that's my biggest issue with it. Is I'm sitting in your theater for three hours and 20 minutes and you're you're not able to pull me in you're not able to make me care you're yeah i'll sit there and look at cool stuff but like yeah why do i why am i supposed to care about what happens to these water people the water tribe you know what i mean it's just like i don't know he he just he he doesn't he's unable to make us care and that's the casuals all leave this feeling the exact same way and I feel the same way. It's it's exactly what you're saying, Bilbo. No, there's no investment in any of the characters. It's just the, the, the it's all happening medium. before you, but you're just yeah, you don't... You're like okay. Like, it's a roller coaster, right? You're like okay, I rode the ride, and you get off. You know, it doesn't really teach you anything. Doesn't give you really anything to think about after. Like I saw that movie, and I was like, what's there to dissect? It really. That's why I'm I'm so impressed. Till you just like the feeling so much that you just <laughs> like the, keep the, going the, the back feeling, it to get even, it. It's just not even comparable to Top Gun Maverick. Like the fact no. that even, like, it's insane to me that like <laughs> the emotional investment that I have and the emotional highs that I get out of Top Gun Maverick, you know, is it's it's just non-existent in Avatar. Like completely non-existent. And it, like the the most I ever like even got really into it was honestly the end action sequence i thought zoe kicked some ass which was dope but i'm like okay where is more of this like if you're if if james cameron is unable to write dialogue just give me some action sequences at least like fill in the gaps with some cool sequences like that and i'll be there every time you know but you know that i it it was short-lived those moments of like okay yeah this is cool and that action sequence was cool and like he was you know it was a little more violent i feel like than the first one there was really some cool sequences there but like then it was over and it's just like oh okay like i don't really care about anything else the water scenes just kind of blew me away that 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 was just it was just overdone it was just overdone (laughs) like i felt like (laughs) no so i'm trying to give you more credit than you know like the way you felt, I that's I think it's fine that you like the movie, but I just I'm just trying to understand. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'm actually offended. I'm how just much trying you like to understand, movie. like, because like I get it. Like I know James Cameron wants to show off Pandora, and he should. He wants to do the world building. We want to see what else is you know going on in Pandora, but there was so much of it. I felt like it Gluttonous. was like a a rinse and repeat of montages of them swimming underwater. Of the same music overlaid, like the slow motion <laughs> sequence. I'm just like, hey, I've seen it once. I don't need to see it four more times. Like, you're not really showing me anything new here. Like, yeah, show off the world. Now let's get back to the story, you know, kind of thing. I just felt like there were, again, I felt like this movie could have lost minimum 45 minutes and it would have been I, for the better. I think and, you're right. and, the, and the movie I, wouldn't have lost anything. I think between the Water Village. And 
Quaritch coming to attack the villages, I think you probably could cut that sequence down quite a bit. Because it does feel like it kind of gets away from the story, and it's just kind of like, here's like an underwater demo basically it, it yeah. does feel like that a little bit like hey let, let's let's show off the technology or the cgi that we've we have and it, it look it all looks great it's the state of the art it looks good you know but like this movie needs needed to be two and a half two fifteen. yeah yeah trim it down and can we get a little nuance like why is it that sully is god and like just the savior for the planet and then Quaritch is just pure evil just trying to watch the world burn. Like can we get a little more? It feels it's pretty black and white. You it's know? Shakespeare, so bro. It's Shakespeare. Is well it? they, they try to they, is Quaritch the marine guy? Yeah. yeah. So shatters yeah, his I, own skull as yeah, the fact that, that like Avatar they try to work boy. in the fact that like Spider is his kid and like that's supposed to give him an interesting angle or I guess make it you know make his character more empathetic or whatever it's just like no it just doesn't work dude. No, and it it's mostly work. because of spider and <laughs> spiders spider walking around stuck. fucking everything up for all parties <laughs> like we can't even kill the villain like spider has to go down and save him somehow digs him up from the his water grave and oh, hisses dude, at that, him and swims that. away I, like what I are just, we doing i just love spider's adaptability the dude's straight on navi as a human dude he can he can climb three thousand foot trees he can breathe underwater he can go anywhere dude and, and the fact that and when i saw him going to rescue i'm like because i when he was i thought he was dead i'm like okay we're done with him but the fact that they're gonna resurrect him for the Again. next is he gonna be the villain for the next three movies i think so i think that like he'll just dude gain power he's just gonna keep gaining he's, power dude he's just the least interesting villain ever he's so black yeah. and white and it's like just use him for the first one like i would love to see some like Give me another villain like that's on Pandora. Like maybe yeah, some somebody Civil else. War, it's like, hey Civil man, we got type we got, Carmelis, we got Carmela Soprano, dude. She's a she's the general now. But like, why couldn't you have another person living on Pandora that like wants to work with the uh, the Earth people to like have some good reason why they want to get into cahoots oh, with them? Or oh, something. you mean like a like a Navi is like yeah, like the same way Sully got in bed with the Navi, like the Navi get in bed with the humans for some reason, right? <laughs> it's like in Lord of the Rings, you know, the humans start working with Sauron or Saruman, you know, they're yeah. kind of like, hey, yeah, we're gonna fight for your cause instead of our people's cause, you know. It's like it, I don't know, maybe I mean, it's on the table. It's look, she has different we angles. Have three more movies, you know, to, to maybe this will happen, but it's like, why are you keeping this marine around? I don't get it. It's lazy. He doesn't seem that good at his job. No. (laughs) I just don't don't buy buy these humans that just want to go to these planets and just destroy everything and willing to die for shit that they're never going to see the actual like impacts or value from. Right. It's generic. It's just like, yeah, we're military people and we we collect this serum or this unobtainium so that we can be. Well, make these corporations rich. The the army's there because Earth's dying. So they're trying to to claim pandora that's like their whole objective okay i guess that's true i don't know it's just it's generic the whole it's just very number one and two they suffer from i to me it's just like james cameron was like hey what you could put into a computer generator give me a typical villain and give me the typical dialogue that they things they would their motives that they would do or say and it's just it's all so generic like and the dialogue is even further enhances that 
point in my opinion. It's just none of it's interesting um and none of it's investing. It's it's a spectacle. Looks cool. I I'm impressed with the world building, you know, the fact that he's Cameron's just kind of conjured this from his mind, which is it that's all well and dandy and cool and I'll look at it. But like you he he just misses the mark entirely for getting me to be interested in where the characters are going, their motives and where it's eventually going to end up. Will I see the third one? I probably will. Like, that's mm-hmm. the thing is like, I, I do go. think it, it's an event. These movies are an event. And if it's on IMAX 3d, like it's kind of like, yeah, I I'll be there, but like, not for the reasons I, I wish I were going for Taylor's for there. It. Not the same reasons. Taylor will be there. <laughs> exactly. Taylor final statement on the movie. Go ahead. We'll let you get the last word in on this yeah. one. Unless you got more, Bilmo, you want to unpack. No, no, no. I'm, I'm done with this. I think this. we've given it enough time. I I think certain movies are created to scratch certain itches. And the things I look for in Avatar The Way of Water are different, you know, than something like Banshee's Been a Sharon, where, you know, it's more of a kind of a heartfelt, character-driven story, whereas... I think Avatar is more of a visual storytelling. It's it's kind of the it's just kind of the vibe. It's like okay, we have to have a story to have a story, but that's not really the point. Like I think I think Pandora and the fact he's computer generating this world entirely is kind of insane. Like there's nothing like it. You compare it to any Marvel movie that just looks like absolute ass compared to it. Like and I think for me, that's I wanted to enjoy it while it's in theaters. Will I watch it on my TV at home? Probably not. So I think I was going for the spectacle. I think that's what really kind of struck a chord with me the most. So are, are you done with this? Will, will you see it say, a fourth? Are you going, yeah, are you going to go for the four P? I think I'm done. I think I'm good. I think the three's enough. I, I've seen it in different formats. So I've seen the high frame rate mode and just standard 3D. And you know, I, I think I've I've got the full I'm good. I'm good until Avatar three in twenty twenty four. I'll be there. Till next time, Avatar. All right, Taylor. Um I'm still worried about you, but <laughs> I'm just but I am we'll check happy up on happy. you once in a while. We gotta yeah, check in on you. This movie's not getting enough love for making two billion dollars. Like I think it's enough... gotten plenty. No, man, there's just there's just not a lot of people out there. So uh, real quick, let's touch on this point real quick. Because if you've noticed on my Twitter, I've been tweeting at these. So what I've noticed is there are some staunch defenders of this movie. And not it's weird because it's not necessarily they're defending the substance of the movie. They're more like obsessed and like standing behind. They love the fact that this is just making big box office numbers. So there's this mm-hmm. account I follow that they tweet, you know, weekly or daily updates of movies that are out in theaters and giving their box office numbers. This account has been obsessed with Avatar. Um, Not just because they just tweet out what their numbers are, but they'll like always have these comments like, oh, don't, you know, doubt James Cameron. And so like, I just wanted to go press some buttons, right? So I tweet and I go, hey, here are the top 10 movies, gross of all time, adjusted for inflation. Avatar 1 and 2 don't even crack the top 10. I get like, six responses from all these people that just love avatar like you didn't do this for avengers infinity war where did you you didn't tweet this about that and they're like well you know are you saying the movie's not a success or that it's not impressive i'm just like 
dudes like it's avatar <laughs> 2 like yeah. i'm not like i i guess i don't understand like the staunch defenders of this movie there's because they're not defending like the substance of the movie they're just they love the fact that it's making two billion dollars and i don't know it's a weird crap it's it's weird and I love that you're continuing your streak of being a Twitter troll in this very specific way. It's very on brand, and I'm grateful for it. I'm not done with Derrickson, by the way. We're no, still, no, we've got ongoing. we've got a lot more work to do with Derrickson still. Uh, that guy, he's going to be going underground in his coffin, and you're going to be over, hey, hey, what about Hellraiser 2, bro? Uh, Hellraiser Inferno. Hey, no, hey what about uh, that I, one? Right I credit. took a jab at Shyamalan the other day. Oh, bro, dude, we got to get into that. Leave him out uh, of this, dude. I, I, I don't want to stay too much longer on Avatar, but it does kind of break my brain how it is making all this money, but the cultural imprint is so small. Yes. And so the fact you're telling me that there is a group, <laughs> I guess Taylor's in it, of these staunch defenders that are like offended that people aren't giving this movie the respect it deserves. Because it's, it's making just, $2 billion, you know? Like, and it's like... Yeah. I'm not but offended it, by it. I don't have any issue if you guys no, like it. No, fuck you, dude. You are offended. <laughs> I, I saw Taylor on his first watch of this movie with him, and I was laughing at the dialogue the whole time. And oh. I'd lean over to Taylor, and I'd be like, dude, this is so funny. He's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yes, he was like so locked in. Yeah, I, I, I was like... I watched it I with could, my brother, and we were cracking up. Like I was cracking up, eyes. dude. I was laughing so hard, and Taylor's just like dead eye, dead serious. He's like, "Oh shit, I think his son's gonna get killed." And I'm like, "Dude, come on, man!" Like he just wasn't there with me on that wavelength, and it made me super sad. It actually really bums me out. But I don't know. There's no memes. Like the only memes are about Spider. It's the, family the best photo, meme, right? Yeah, it, the best meme about Spider is Spider from Goodfellas. If you guys saw that one floating around. Because you remember uh-huh. the one, you remember the oh, barkeeper? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and that kid's name dance. is Spider. And he's like, yeah. dance, Spider. <laughs> he kills him. <laughs> and so they put fucking Avatar Spider at the bar with uh, freaking Pesci. Pesci. Uh, so you know, I don't know. I do think it's I, I, what you said real quick. I, I do think it's fascinating that the cultural imprint is almost non I would say non-existent. The, Doesn't the extent that it does exist exists solely in when you're talking box office yeah which i think it's it's fascinating like i was i was saying this the other day i was just like look i never saw i just watched avatar one like three days before i saw the second one i I didn't catch the first one um when it came out in theaters um and and so like but like even from then until now i I I knew nothing about it because even I knew it made all this money and I knew it was the highest grossing movie of all time, but that was it. There was no other, it didn't change. It didn't make an impact on like the film lexicon. No one's quoting the movie. No one references any of the characters. Like it's, it's non-existent in like film dialogue. Mm -hmm. It only gets mentioned when you're talking box office, which is, I do think it's fascinating that a movie can make the most money out of any other movie at the time and you're not even really talking about it like yeah you're not yeah, talking think, about the movie you're talking about how much money it made but you're not talking about the movie and i, I think, think that's it's, fascinating it's box office and technical prowess i think those are the two things yeah I think yeah are. yeah yep it's our friend frank he called it a tech demo that he was going to see and that's kind of how it feels in a way yeah it's like oh this is what a movie could be um 
and it is kind of just a format to show you what it could like what it is versus like actually make a fully formed product in a lot of ways so I will give James Cameron props that he did create Spider, which is something for us to talk about because there's literally <laughs> nothing from a character perspective to talk about from the first one. I don't think I can't I can't think of anything I'd ever want to no. bring up. So improvement little by little. Right, Taylor? We'll get yeah. there. Yeah, dude. Wait for three. It's going to blow us away. I need to know how he's going to make the people fire people. Like ash I get people being, are called the, the ash. Oh, tribe. sorry. Sorry. I get how you could be like water people. I don't know how you could just live in fire. Are they like? Well, there's like he mentioned. There's like two other tribes that are going to come into play in the. Yeah, it's kind of like Avatar: Last Airbender style. It's mm-hmm. a it's a cool format. I give it to him. All right, let's get to the the movie I actually feel the most strongly about, if you can believe it, Babylon. This was on our list for probably top one of the top movies, if not the top movie that we all wanted to see. New mm-hmm. picture from Damien Chazelle. This one is a big one three hour plus runtime excessive filmmakers this season we get mm-hmm. a lot of three hour plus movies here Abelman's too man <sighs> we're talking all about box office this movie flopped really hard commercially. it it was a it was a stinker pretty bad i wanted to ask you guys this movie flopped commercially did it flop critically from what you've what you've observed what you've read what people you know that you know, talk about movies. Um, how do you think they feel about it? It's divisive. Very. It's it's at. I mean, if you look on Rotten Tomatoes, it's fifty percent for audience and for critics. Okay, it's a polarizing film. And in IMDb, it's got. I think it's a seven point four. But you look at the number of reviews. Not that many reviews. I don't think a lot mm. of people have seen it. Ten thousand. Not a lot for a major motion picture. No, compared it's not. to other. And so Dang. it's a little inflated, I think, from the actual. There's probably more positive feeling reviewers at IMDb jacking that score up. I think, yeah, I, I think this one's very divisive. And the three of us talking offline, I think we're divided on it. So I, yeah. I think it, it checks out. We're kind of all on the spectrum, I think. Um, yeah, we based are. On what we had talked about, we kind of we kind of round out the whole thing. Taylor, you gave it out of five stars. How many? I gave it two and a half. And Bilmo, you gave it how many? Three and a half. Three and a half. And I and I think I sit purely at a three. Three stars out of five. Um, seeing the movie. And I texted you guys this, but I, I really feel strongly that the first ninety minutes of the movie are it's like a four star movie, maybe even a four and a half star movie. And I think the last ninety minutes, ninety minutes plus, it's like a two star movie for me. Um Bilmo, what would you say like worked best? for you with this very excessive grandiose movie that he put together. I think the energy, um, the editing that goes, that definitely plays into the energy of the movie. Um, like you said, I think the first 90 minutes, I, I, it was, it was almost, there was no point in which you could breathe. I mean, it was just one thing after the next and the energy just kept carrying over to each scene. Yes. Um. And as the you know the insane party at the beginning, I love how we meet all the main characters at that one party. It's an insane mm-hmm. party, and yeah, and and it's the movie is expertly made. Like whether Agreed. you you know the story, or whatever the mo- it is, there are some insane sequences that Chazelle put together. That that party sequence. I mean, there's a lot of long shots, long takes in that movie, moving around the 
the, the, the cinematography, like the movie looks insanely beautiful. Like mm-hmm. there's just Chazelle's fingerprints are all over this movie in that regard that, you know, it's made by an expert. This he knows what he's doing behind the camera and that makes it more investing. It's, it's beautiful to look at. It's engaging. The energy just pulls you right in from the beginning. And I would even say it leading up to the entire sequence where they're in the desert mm. filming, uh, you know, all of those movies out. And like that whole sequence is like a five-star sequence. That whole thing I, was just like, it was incredible. I want to say the, the opening party scene into the, the desert film set scene, that shit's impeccable. I think. Yeah. And, and Taylor, insane. you saw it before me and you slightly colored me kind of the, it just didn't really hit the mark for you. And up through that scene, I was like, this movie's incredible. I was just, I was locked in and I was actually so impressed for the same things you're saying, Bilbo, the editing, the music, the whole score yeah. around this, this movie music is, is great. Fantastic. Justin Hurwitz kills it again. And I do think a lot of his stuff sounds kind of similar to his other movies, but it all works fantastically. Um, and the cast is just so well-formed. You can't you can't go wrong with Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt, and Diego um, Calva, who I think is fairly new on the scene. And yeah, I hadn't really seen him film. before. Um, Taylor, what was your thoughts around the just like the way that whole movie starts? So, I, I it's very you're right. The energy is kind of nonstop. I I thought. The music stood out to me. The like that's probably the highlight of the movie for me. It's just the score. I thought yeah. it was great. Um, I mean, watching it, I think the comp for me is probably Wolf of Wall Street as far as kind of vibe of the movie. Just a kind of an excessive, debaucherous, kind of raunchy. Um, but I, I think the issue for me is that it it was like literally every emotion is being captured on screen and every type of joke and commentary, you go from poop jokes to a social commentary all within minutes of each other. There's just like, it's literally everything. It's like, it doesn't discriminate between any sort of theme or emotion. Like, and there's, I think the energy was just like, there are certain parts where it was just like, I felt like just uncomfortable in my chest watching it where it was like, this is too much. I need a breather. Like, like slow it down for a minute. Just like, like the part that stands out to me the most is when they're transitioning from silent to the film and they're filming Mm -hmm. that scene in the studio. Another excellent scene. And that one dude is freaking out and people are dying and all this stuff. And I was just like, this is so over the top. I don't know if this is for me. Interesting. See, I thought that was one of those scenes that's really memorable. Oh, like, I I bought into that entire sequence. Yeah, same. Loved it. Same. And so it's exaggerated for sure, but it definitely is like the way it's shot and edited. It, it you are so uncomfortable with the way that's all going. It's it just so becomes painful. more and more comical each time yeah. they show the guy. You know, it's like eight ta- eight or nine takes they end up doing, and each yeah. take gets funnier than the last one. It just gets more and more comical. And you um, see the pain points of adapting a new technology, a new medium yeah, for how they like, did this and how it was so new. And there's all these things you hadn't thought about or they never thought about in making movies to deal with in that scene, which was yeah. interesting. Yeah. You like know, the whole history. Yeah. The whole history aspect was fascinating to me. So like 
the the to see how silent films could be made, you just have a desert of like nine open sound stages where they're filming a war sequence in one and a serious drama in the other and a comedy. It's like because sound doesn't matter, they could film whatever they wanted right next to each other. And I thought that was that was I mean, and that's really how they did it. Like mm-hmm. th- there was a lot of, I think, historical accuracy that Chazelle was able to capture exaggerated and by the characters sure you know but i think the in like the adapt at, when they had to adapt to now sound um it just shows kind of the frustration and how you know art evolved in in that way and yeah i i i would let's i would say up until through that sound sequence like i it, this was like a five-star movie like it just everything about it i was all was all in so maybe I let's, i'd argue with you yeah, and so I guess maybe what uh, we can talk about what why it goes down, why does it tick down from a 5 after that? Well, can I kind of just give you my overall feeling about the movie after yeah. seeing all of it? It feels like an amalgam of Wolf of Wall Street, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Boogie Nights. It has like in La La, it's La Land. Like he, in <laughs> La La Land. It's like it's like he took all those movies and kind of like mashed it all together and it it kind of has a hollow center for me. Because you have the aspects of like Once Upon a Time of Hollywood of these people dealing with things changing in the mm-hmm. industry, right? And how they adapt to it. And like Margot Robbie's right. She's she's almost in a similar role between the two movies where she's coming into fame. And we kind of just get to see the beginning of that, like for her with Sharon Tate, but then Mm -hmm. we see what the full arc is for her with Babylon. But like what he does in Babylon, I don't ever really care about her career or like really even her for some reason. And I can't put my finger on it, how I didn't really have like an emotional connection to her. And I don't, and I can't, I can't figure it out. Like, it's like he missed something with the way he portrayed her. And because she kind of is supposed to be like the heart, I think, in a lot of ways. Well, I guess Manny's the heart of the movie, but yeah, it's like, are they a family like these people that all kind of were in this thing together? Kind of like they were in Boogie Nights where they kind of get into it together and then they kind of go their own ways and they get corrupted Mm -hmm. and then come back full circle. It's like that doesn't happen. It's it's like he kind of goes in all these directions with these people touching on little things. That could be interesting, but it's not enough for me to feel like it's cohesive for it some never, reason. Yeah, and it... technical difficulty. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> my headphones fell off. But uh, it never that that was kind of my issue, right? Is like I didn't know what he was trying to say at the end because it's like, are you saying like, oh, I wish we could go back to the old ways where we didn't have sound and we had these crazy coke filled parties and people peed on other people and people died. Just and we just threw them aside, and it was like, because sound objectively improved movies and and made it a better experience for the audience and and kind of like paved the way for the future. So it's like I didn't really get what he was trying to say at the end, or he's just like movies. See, are I awesome. The, is that is I, that the, what he's trying to say? Well, I was gonna say I was gonna say I felt the opposite. I think he's very direct with what he's trying to say. I actually very. think he's too heavy handed and not to get Nolan on you, Bilmo, but I think he kind of gets too preachy with the way he talks about cinema. Yeah. He, like, he wears this, he wears the themes and messages on his sleeve. This, you know, this whole movie, yeah. there's no question. 
And, and yeah, the, there's no question that the whole and from the dialogue of the characters that are continually yes. spewing phrases of, hey, yeah, movies are, you know, art and, you know, this is, mm-hmm. you know, magic and the dream of, you know, being famous and like all these things that like very much explored in La La Land, um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and to me, this is just like and, and I've read this elsewhere that like La La Land was essentially the dream version of you know, the dreamscape of Hollywood and Babylon's more the hellscape of Hollywood. It, he's, she, he, they're different time periods, but he is showing kind of both sides of the same coin, right? That, Hey, Hollywood is obviously the center of both of these movies, but here are two wildly different experiences that can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that's definitely one thing he was exploring. So the way he chose the pre talky movies being just pure debauchery the whole industry Mm -hmm. is just filthy and crazy and fun and then it kind of gets to this prissy high class yeah level like were we supposed to believe that like that all the hollywood people just kind of cleaned up and it was like this is the way we do things now versus the way they did them before it felt like that would carry over but maybe i'm just but it did right that that's kind of what i you're right i mean i i kind of like that that like on the surface Hey, we've changed. We've gotten better, but then you see the Tobey Maguire sequence. That like, oh, yeah, they, this side of you know the debauchery has actually gotten worse. That like, it's almost like when it, more it vile. Came to a, yeah, it came to a point where you can either just go more like it just like divided. It was debauchery, and then they got classier, but it also got more vile at the same time. And you know, you see both sides of that. And Margot Robbie obviously can't adapt to that new scene and mm-hmm. you know people some people never really left the debauchery and you see how much lower they sunk you know like you see that opening sequence and you think it's the most insane thing and then you get like a horror movie for 15 minutes with toby Maguire of just some of the grimiest slimiest yeah. feelings and, and i like the analogy a buddy of mine mentioned it uh he read it somewhere that it's almost like the movie's descending into hell I mean, and Tobin Maguire is literally the devil leading them deeper and deeper, like into hell when you're literally like for these people to have feeling anymore, to get any sort of satisfaction, they can't just go do cocaine at a party. They're now paying to see some guy eat a live rat, you know, and it's just like crazier and crazier and darker and deeper. And, you know, I just think it's interesting. He's showing that that side never left. Right. On the surface, mm-hmm. Hollywood's changed, it's evolved, more mature, more high class, whatever it is. But the other side, the underbelly of Hollywood's never left and they're still there. You know, mm-hmm. we assume today that the underbelly is still very much alive. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think that was one aspect that I thought was kind of cool that he was saying. I guess I'm missing how that connects with kind of what he's building with the other character arcs you know it it, and maybe it's just he's just paying for his own ambition and just trying to touch so many things yes it gets muddled um he's trying to say too many things at once right yeah and i think that's where he kind of gets this unfair comparison with some of these other classics and you know truly remarkable movies like once upon a time in hollywood which is so laser focused on what he's trying to say for those each of those arcs that's very clear what the point is and comes full circle at the end right exactly and wolf of wall street the same way like the way excess and this whole culture is just so destructive ultimately it's like in this movie it was kind of like 
okay, I guess there's some of that and there's some of this. What is it really you're trying to get at? And maybe it's a little bit of everything. It makes me feel like with him that he is a masterful director, but I don't know if he quite matches it with his writing overall, you know? And it just is like, it's just, there's something missing that I, it's hard for me to put a finger on as I'm trying to think about what, what I would do differently. And maybe it is just shortening it up. Maybe it was just too, too much, too bloated. And we can talk about the last scene. If you guys have feelings on the montage, which yeah, kind of she horns in there. I mean, hate, yeah, I hated and, it. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, I don't know that I hated it. I just don't know that it worked. You know what I mean? Like it's again, it was just so obvious throughout the whole movie. Like, a, you know, Obviously, one of the themes he was touching on is like the importance and evolution of movies and storytelling. And he just kind of throws that into the end montage sequence of it was jarring. I mean, to see Avatar in Babylon, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> the Matrix, Jurassic, Jurassic yeah. Park. And it was just like, does this belong in the movie? Like, I, I, I want to I don't think it does. And but does it, you know? And like my question I go back and forth on is, is like, is it the ultimate message that's not working or is it the messenger or is it the receiver of the message that I'm not getting it? You know, it's like, cause I get what he's saying. I don't think there's any dispute as to like, well, what is he trying to say here? Like, it's very obvious what he's saying. It's just, why is he saying it? And why is he doing it in the way that he's doing it? So like, I know, uh, I guess me and Ben, you saw Fableman's, right? I didn't. Okay. I saw this instead. I was choosing between the two and I saw yeah, so that one. These movies are very similar in that they're both kind of about making movies to an extent. And movies are good. Yeah. But like my issue mainly with the montage is if your movie's so long that you have to show me scenes from the beginning of the movie again, that drives me insane. I'm like, I just watched this. You don't have to show me <laughs> what I just watched. That pissed me off. That's the, the main part of the montage I didn't like. But... I feel like the Fablemans, because it's about Steven Spielberg's life and kind of how he discovered movies and directing and kind of, you know, his his beginning, right? Is dealing with his yeah. family and and I don't know. Getting to that, it felt like a more kind of hopeful, kind of positive feeling as I left the theater. They're like, oh, this guy really loves movies, like in a genuine way, and it kind of makes me excited about movies in general and even also like i was like man i kind of want to make like a movie myself just after watching this like it kind of hyped me up for that whereas with babylon i'm like obviously he loved chazelle loves movies but i felt like i feel like it didn't come clear to me that like from the what i just watched that like hollywood and movies in general are a positive thing for if it leads to the type of behavior shown in hollywood you know what i'm saying yeah i I I agree with you to an extent. I think he did do a good job of showing the triumph and making something happen against mm-hmm. the odds, right? And like the collective achievement of all of these people coming together and making something magical that then, you know, supersedes and transcends anything you could have ever hoped for is when other people see it later. You know, it it, it gives them a feeling and emotion. Um but you're right that's all littered with dead bodies in this movie as well. So it's like, there's a price that comes with getting to this thing that people just consume on a Saturday afternoon. 
um, which is somewhat of a mixed message. So I, I, I can see where you're coming from with that. Yeah. And I, 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 again, yeah, I, I agree to an extent as well. Um, and I almost feel like, I mean, it's, it's not that like, oh, is this what Chazelle's trying to say? Or is a lot of this, he's just telling it how it is. You know what I mean? Like, is this a personal message or is this like, cause Spielberg, you know, it is very different. It's about, it's a biopic about his life. And obviously that's a very, cause you know, positive take on Hollywood and movies. And so is La La Land. So I think it's just Chazelle's just telling a different message. He's telling a different story with a lot of similar themes here that like, you know, yeah, like you left La La Land thinking, man, you know, only the fools who dream, you know, here's to the fools who dream and Hollywood is Mm -hmm. great. And dreamers are, this is what happens when people dream and go and do awesome things and we can benefit from it. And he's just kind of, I, to me, Babylon's just like, well, there are also other things that happen in Hollywood. Like this isn't, this is just one side of it. And I like, I kind of appreciate that. And to me, it's like, what is the title? You know, like it's called Babylon, you know? So it's like, yeah, he's, he's using, I mean, that's again, that's just kind of in your face. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like this is going to be, this is really going to show the underbelly of Hollywood. And that's, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what Babylon is. It represents everything that is just, it, it represents depravity, you know? And he definitely gets that message through. And, I do think I do agree with you, Wesker, on the point of making us care enough about like, for example, like Margot Robbie's character. I think this is one of, if not her best performance. Like, I really thought she was excellent in this movie. She is very good. I mean, she is extremely versatile. Yeah. But there were points where I kind of felt like, yeah, I, I. Chazelle almost lost me with her as far as like really caring and like having an emotional like when we f- we found out she dies through a newspaper clipping, you know what yeah. I mean? That that we get a glance, like we kind of assume she's going to go off and I don't know, overdose or whatever she's doing. Yeah. But like he gave her I the dignified that... ending, right? Where we got to see her at yeah. like a, a high, not a you know a low, I guess. Yeah, I do feel like there could have been, and this goes for all of them, all of the characters in this movie. There could have been a little more meat to allow us to connect with them a little bit more because we mm-hmm. a lot of our exposure to them is in the midst of them doing their work. You know, mm-hmm. very little do we get of them like away from movies and fame and getting downtime with them. It's almost always them just working and in, in the business. Well, yeah, it's all, it's all POV from Manny's perspective. Yeah, I mean he's definitely the. The, like you yeah. said, the center, we're kind it's of kind getting of the, everything. It's kind of the avatar for the audience a little bit. But he has his own, you know, respective arc yeah. himself, right? And how he, he gets kind objectives. of corrupted and yeah. objective. And I guess with Margot Robbie, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna go on here a little bit, and this is kind of like a ma- major nitpick for me. Margot Robbie is the Dirk Diggler from Boogie Nights in this movie. Mm-hmm. Where it's kind of this unknown prospect that turns out to be extremely talented, yeah. But then kind of burns out and has to reinvent herself and goes through some really really low lows to hopefully get out. But we we see Dirk Diggler like washing plates and stuff at the back of the restaurant. You know, we see him at his parents' house and right. his mom yelling at him. And like you kind of start rooting for the guy because you're like, yeah, he's just trying to get out. You know, and. Margot Robbie talks about all that stuff in her life. Yeah, but we you're didn't, right. Like, see any of it, and 
and we and like you said Taylor we're just kind of seeing her do the stuff and it's like the big moments the dancing at the party you know performing perfectly in the scene crying on demand multiple times which this is my my nitpick guys it like it feels like such a hack from boogie nights the way she could just do anything at any moment the way dirk dickler does stuff on set with all his pornos um and then later in the movie when they do the toby mcguire scene that is like feels like a straight hack from boogie nights when they're trying to sell the key uh bag of the cocaine yeah, yeah, the baking soda to the freaking drug dealer. And the guy's lighting firecrackers off and on the whole time. And Chazelle has the guy clearing his throat off and on the whole time to like build this tension over and over and over again. And I was like, dude, you freaking ripped off this scene, like straight up <laughs> from this movie. Like, I get it. Like, you could be influenced by something and like have an homage. But the way he sells that, it feels like he's like, oh, yeah, like this is like the first time anybody's done anything like this. That's how it felt. And I actually got kind of yeah. offended because I know he's such a film person. Like, I don't know. Did you guys see that the same way? Or am I just being dramatic? No, I, I agree with you. I didn't, I, I would say during the movie, like in hindsight, yeah. Like you explaining that it makes sense that like, that's, it's obvious where he's drawing either inspiration or is he purposefully saying, yeah, I like, look, I've, I've been inspired by it. That goes maybe further into the message that like I've been inspired by movies and that's inspiring me to make movies and this way this yeah this particular way and no I mean you're right a lot of the scenes like that I I mean I didn't really make that comparison it's been a while since I've seen Boogie Nights but you're totally spot on then I and the obviously the comparisons to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and the fact that Brad Pitt's in this nonetheless who's going right. through a similar experience of having to transition. And now he's kind of the Leo DiCaprio in, in Babylon. Uh-huh. Exactly. He's now having to transition. And yeah, it's, there's a lot of similarities there. And, but I do think Chazelle is able to do it in his own way. You know, I mean, like you said, I think everything else around the production, the music and the editing and, you know, the overall story in which these scenes are put in or like the, how it's contextualized. I think he's, it's enough to do it in his own way to make it unique. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think he's just like, Oh, he's just ripping off a bunch of movies and we're just watching him some hack at work, you know, kind of thing. Just like, no, I mean, I don't know. Is a lot of that. Chazelle want to make that obvious that like he is clearly inspired by these movies or is he trying to come off as like, I'm a original genius, you know, I and don't that's know. What, that's where I was like confused. I think that's part of my confusion with this movie is like, I couldn't tell. Like sometimes you see like an homage to something that you're like clearly was influenced by something else and it feels very respectful and you're like, oh, okay, that's drawing from this and it's done a little differently in a way that's like showing respect. The way like a cover it's not like a Weezer cover, right? Where Weezer <laughs> literally will just do the song exactly the way the other band did it versus like a cover that's like, oh, they changed this here slightly to, you know, accentuate this part or whatever. And this felt more like the Weezer cover to me, which kind of frustrated me. But maybe I just was watching it the wrong way. I honestly didn't know. And that's why I was curious, like, Taylor, how you like landed on some of these scenes. Yeah, I don't think I made those connections watching it in the theater. But, you know, I definitely can see those comparisons. I just don't feel like... I don't know. I felt like Boogie Nights or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I feel like their characters had a relatable aspect 
Whereas I can apply kind of what these characters are going to, to like my own life as an average person, you know, but like there's themes here that I can connect with, but like, I guess Babylon felt so ultra specific to showbiz in Hollywood that I didn't find that it's very relatable or connectable to the average person who's not in Hollywood. It's kind of, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because these characters don't have really, they don't really go into things that are very relatable, right? Like these crazy, ridiculous parties, you know, the dealing with all the fame and things. There's just not a lot of, I think, grounded yeah. kind of mm-hmm. I get what you're saying going on because like once upon a time in Hollywood you're at the the friendship aspect of like Leo and Brad yeah. it's just so palpable like yeah you're you know they're doing like you said going through a lot of the same stuff that people do in Babylon dealing with Hollywood and fame and all that that you can't really relate to but you totally relate to like some of you know the characters interactions and their motives and you know the emotions that they all go through and the friendships that they have. And I do feel like some of that is missing with the mm-hmm. characters in Babylon. You just, you don't really find a lot to connect with in that regard. And yeah, I think he could have just used more time. Like the first scene we see Margot Robbie, she just shows up at the party, you know? Yeah. And like you said, we find out everything about her past just by her visiting what I think was her mom and that mental institution. Yeah. And she kind of just like, Oh, how do you get to cry on demand? It's like, Oh, I just think about home. And it's like, oh, shit, like, so she had a bad home life. Like, I'm all for, like, not spoon feeding me everything. Like, we can imagine what it's like, but it also, by leaving some of that out, I feel like we're not able to fully connect at the same time to the character, you know, if that makes sense. It does. I I just don't know why it didn't help garner more affection for her in that space. It just... I don't know if it came off just kind of cold or because you can see what he's trying to do. And I like it that you're not, you know, like you said, spoon feeding it, but it was kind of analytical the way he approached it in a way where it's like, yeah, she had a hard life and that's how it kind of impacted her. But we never really feel that pain. Like maybe we should have to get to that. level. Yeah. Well, here's, here's a perfect example. One person we haven't even talked about in this movie is the, the trumpet player. Well, I don't even know his name. The black okay, the, great point. <laughs> <laughs> Who's like a fourth character, right? First, we think yeah. we're just dealing with Margot, Brad, and that uh, Manny. And we're just like, okay, these is are the characters. Like Sydney? I think Sydney. It's Sydney. Yeah, it is Sydney. And so, yeah. so then Sydney just is like, he's in a bunch of these scenes, and we just kind of think he's like a side character. But his arc builds to a moment that feels like okay maybe he should have been like a main character like we needed more about him we needed a lot more time with him for that moment where he's having to essentially put on blackface which is an insane moment um and Can we talk about the implications of that scene yeah. like so sydney has his own like rags to riches rise right yeah like, he's trumpet like player. On the side he's fantastic and he really does it seems like try to make him a main character in parts of the movie and then other parts he's like totally shelved um it gets to the point where he's kind of he's famous they're making movies around him and like you said they want him to be in blackface so he looks black like his other castmates or yeah he looks like he it's almost like he looked white he looked white on the the lighting was yeah and i was confused because they wanted to do that so that he looked black and they could sell them that movie to, in the South, right? 
mm-hmm. black audiences. I was confused why he was so, so offended by that. And maybe it's just a part I just didn't pick up. No, I, you're right. I mean, because it's like, it's clearly like my, your gut reaction is like, oh, this is horrible. Right. Yeah, he he responds so violently against the notion of like you're gonna make me wear this shoe polish, right? Uh, which I'm like, yeah, that is like demeaning. And we talk about blackface where white people dress up like black people, and but you're black. And we're caricatures <laughs> of black people, which is offensive and wrong, and all that that angle of things. But like in this way, it was like, well, you're actually like supporting your bandmates by fitting in right so you and don't Manny look like a white person explains to him he's like look it's just like makeup you're putting on makeup for the movie right and right he, he kind of he tries to like play it down in that way and yeah and it's like this, this struggle of him like you don't really fully grasp it for the reasons that you're saying you know like is this as offensive as he's taking like because again the gut reaction is of course it is but in the context of like yeah like I'm doing this to support my other band members and or, you know, the movie. And then, you know, afterwards he quits and he gives up his fame. But it's just like none of that felt earned whatsoever for us to really like, again, if we had spent more time with him and had more background, like he had his own scenes. He had a lot of scenes that we spent with him without Manny or any of the other characters. And so, like, it's almost like Chazelle. But weren't wanted they like comic relief character. scenes? Wasn't he just like, do- like, you know, dogging on his bandmate most of the time? It felt like he showed up and he was just talking yeah. shit. Yeah, that's funny. True. You know, and then, like, and the then moments kinda... where he was like getting famous, we had a few moments of like him like feeling out the house and like his yeah, car. getting the car. Yeah, but we just didn't really. It was we didn't know enough about him to be like, why is this a struggle for him? You know, to do like right that scene that you know we're talking about and it's it's true it's a complicated scene and i think it's more complicated because we just don't know anything about this guy to see i guess i'm why... confused because i'm like the message would be like the opposite right where manny shows like you need to put on this makeup so you look like a white guy right yeah like, that's different I need, right i need you to look like a white person because you you know, we're trying to You're sell this across the country, right? Right. But the fact they're like, no, I want you to look like a black person. And the way the lights pick pick you up on camera, you look white. So it's like, so he wanted, he was cool looking white in the scene? Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's confused. <laughs> like, I'm confused. I feel like I missed something. Yeah. I, Taylor, thoughts on this? Taylor, yeah. <laughs> way in here, dude. You've got a better memory for this stuff. Maybe there was a line I missed or something. Well, I think it's basically them saying he's i guess it's implying that he's not black like that's probably what was offending him but saying like he's not black enough you're not black enough i think that's kind of the like yeah kind of the underlying what they were implying i think that's Mm. why he got so offended because he's like i am black so why do i have to put on this shoe polish cream stuff to become quote-unquote black to to you know, make me something that I already am. Yeah, that I already you know. am. It's it's like yeah, it's like he's not being valued. I for, guess for, I think that's why he, he for who he is. Yeah, that's fair. I guess I, I I think the way the scene was sold, it felt like it was a technical limitation of the way the lights were and the, right. the filming technology. Less that like 
just who you are isn't good enough kind of thing. But. Yeah, I agree, but I think that's how I read the scene. You're probably it. you're right. You're right. No, that I, but, I think you're right. But again, but it kind of shows where it wasn't baked enough that we could just understand yes. what really was driving him in that moment. Or care. Yeah, the moment or just care. felt unearned. It just it just unearned. wasn't earned. If you're gonna have a moment like that where it's like a turning point for him or like a moral crisis, right? That he obviously had because he quits right after that and it's just like okay well earn you got to earn that moment you know he, yeah. he in the end it almost felt like Chazelle like this maybe he he was like a character he wrote in like on the third or fourth draft of the script mm. like the, the movie was done and he like he wrote in this character because you know Chazelle loves jazz and this character brings that jazz side of the story you know Definitely. and so like I'm sure he loved writing him in he just did not flesh him out he just kind of felt like more of an afterthought i also don't know like enough about 1930s hollywood to know if this was a common practice or not right so, yeah was so, that like, was I, that common I, yeah i i don't know <laughs> i'd have to yeah so maybe he was just trying to f- put a spotlight on that that this happened but yeah i don't know i don't know enough about 1930s hollywood to to make that claim or not so what we got to talk about toby <laughs> what do you guys think of toby <laughs> i freaking love toby in this movie i thought he was excellent i'm gonna let taylor go first as a true toby stan i i thought it was great i i didn't expect it like i didn't think that that was going to be his role in the movie i, I didn't it, either i didn't know I who thought, what was i thought be. he'd have a more substantial role in the movie if i'm being honest but it was a wildly entertaining scene, and I'm here for it. I think Toby's good in anything he's in. I mean, like, he doesn't show up for long these days, but he's always great when he shows up. I love seeing evil Toby. Yeah. We need more evil Toby walking around. Yeah. I know we've got Bully Maguire to kind of <laughs> give us a little taste. I think it's now he needs to embrace it full force. we got brothers, full force. too. Yeah, he's not a villain in that movie. Yeah, he's going. He's going through some shit. Yeah, he just went through like the most traumatic. Victim of circumstance. Yeah, (laughs) that's PTSD, Taylor. That's not him being a villain. And his girl's cheating on his his brother, dude. What would you do? I'd break my whole kitchen too. If Jake, if Jake G's the protagonist, I'd say Toby's the antagonist of that movie. That is not how that movie works at all. That's just it, a it, wrong it ignores analysis. it ignores the typical structure. It's not trying to have, you know It's not a villain. The, it's not trying to be Avatar and pull these generic roles into <laughs> these characters. You know, it's complicated. They end on the park bench like understanding each other. Like they work through shit, dude. Like that was a lot that Toby had to figure out. Like if you get abducted by terrorists in Iraq and they torture you for freaking <laughs> fair, and in and the same months, time you're getting tortured, your wife is sleeping with your with your brother, <laughs> your fuck up brother. Yeah, man, like that's a problem. <laughs> Give him a little grace here, man. That's, that's fair. That's fair. You're funny, Taylor. You kill me. Yeah, more more <laughs> evil, Toby. The yellow teeth. He's just disgusting and the grimy, creepy. dude just grimy and he's just getting off on the the rat eater guy and that was hilarious oh man he's he was good he, he brought a good energy at the right time um and yeah. i already gave my like nitpick with the scene but i was definitely right. glad it was him on the on the couch and you felt a little terror with the whole 
the whole posse. Oh, right? man. It's just so weird. Yeah, I would just say that whole sequence from beginning to end, by the time they leave the tunnel, like, I was just, you're, I was, like, just, my heart was pounding. You know, like, you're just, you're invested in that whole sequence. And that's, that's really where I was like, hey, Chazelle needs to do a horror movie. Because that felt like a horror movie. That whole sequence was straight, it was just like, Chazelle needs to do one. He's because technically he, so impressive. Like he's he's yeah. masterful in how he can create the tension and the energy, yeah, and the way you flow th- from these scenes. Uh, yes, I'm with you. Yeah, let's go horror movie Chazelle. Let's do it. Yeah, Toby, big standout. Wish he was in it more. Um, yeah, I, I I loved his scene, and it was just good to see him back and doing something. I just haven't seen him in a while. He was also a producer on the movie, if I'm remembering right yeah he is an executive producer that's right yep and so. maybe and i guess if we want to talk like brad pitt we haven't really talked a whole lot about him i mean he i liked him his performance is great He's always i loved good. his sequences i loved his scenes and his uh you know his ultimate there's obviously that kind of oscar scene moment where he finds out his friend dies and he goes off about you know how his art form he's kind of defending his art and movies matters. in general to his to his wife because he thinks that she's like he's lesser in some ways I guess again we don't really his it goes back to the issue of too many characters right too many things going on at once that I think each character if he had gotten rid of one or two then we could have had a more fleshed out arc um because again like Brad Pitt's ultimate arc of him just committing suicide. I don't, again, I don't see that it totally got there. Like, I, I guess, I don't know. What do you guys think? Did you, I, I don't feel like I was there all the way to like fully understand like, Oh yeah, I, he was a depressed dude. Like, and to commit suicide when he did in the place that he did, I don't know. That made total sense to me. Like, I don't know. I, I agree with you. They, they, it's like they did the legwork to kind of give him the full like, yeah, he's the top, he's the king, for of sure. The castle, you get that. And then it's like, nah, you kind of knocked off your throne, you kind of washed, and you got but to he watch goes to, his. He walks. He goes to see his movie that he did with sound, and he gets laughed and it's at, bombing, and he's like depressed about it. But there's like he kind of goes through this like shit. I'm not gonna be that guy anymore. But then he kind of starts doing the other work, you know. Cause he's yeah. like, yeah, I'm working. I'm on a set and this is cool. It's like, they gave him that like ability to be like, okay, I'm kind of coming to an acceptance of this, that like I moved through a different phase. He has that whole chat with the reporter. Yeah. Kind of gives the whole, you know, rundown of like, yeah, this is how this whole thing works. And this is just your, where you're at in this process, this phase of how th- these things are so cyclical. And I was just kind of hoping he'd accept that and just keep doing his thing. But for just having him kill himself felt actually kind of lazy. You know, like, yeah, because like, like, why it, did he like, are we trying to say like he never could have under, like accepted like, yeah, I was at the top and now I'm not, you know, I felt like he could have based on everything else we saw before. Right. And I think I agree with you. I think that's that was kind of my issue with is like based upon everything that we've we've all the time we've spent with him. It just it didn't feel quite again earned and to some regard of like oh i totally understand this like it just kind of took a turn and it almost felt like chazelle needed or wanted to take that turn because it needed to feed into this you know overall underbelly dark side of hollywood of like you know 
Margot yes. Robbie's character, you know, eating it at the end, and Brad Pitt's done, and then you know Manny's being the only, I guess, surviving main character. But it's yeah, his suicide just kind himself. of felt like. <laughs> Yeah, it's his suicide just kind of felt like it needed he needed that to happen to just add to the depressing environment that didn't feel totally yeah. right. It like we knew Margot Robbie was going to burn bright, burn hot and then she was going to go, right? For that's sure. how she set it up. And that's kind of what she said. You know, I was like this is what I'm doing. I'm going for this thing full full speed and when it ends it ends. Brad Pitt didn't feel like that. Didn't feel like that was him. Um, and he felt like he could contribute in this space in a lot more ways than just acting. You know, mm-hmm. he felt kind of like a producer on the sets when they were making the movies and right. writing shit. And I don't know, like it just felt like he could have evolved versus just like devolve and just give up. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it was like, did he just want this to be depressing and just be like, yeah, this thing, this machine just chews up people and spits them out kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Taylor. I don't know. I feel like specifically with how people handle depression and, you know, suicidal thoughts and things, I think a lot of times people are okay until they're not, you know, and, you know, he may have been trying, you know, lying to himself that he was okay being the heel, taking the shit movies. And then eventually it was just like, you know what? Can't do this anymore. And so like, I don't know. I feel like it, I feel like it felt it didn't feel completely out of left field. And I feel like when he tips the guy, you kind of know what's going to happen next. Yeah, for right sure. Oh, yeah. When that happened, you knew what was happening. And so, yeah, I mean. And he's obviously not totally happy with his wife either. You know, like they weren't yeah. really jiving at the time. Yeah, and and I think maybe it's trying to say, you know, for these A-list stars, you know, that being the center of attention and being the center of the universe is kind of like they have to have it it's like it's a need rather than a want and so when they don't have it anymore it just completely destroys them so i mean i think that scene with gene smart the critic basically ripping him to shreds is yeah that was a great scene i think that kind of and she kind of it's kind of like a it's kind of like a an oracle kind of predicting your fate that you're not the first and you're not going to be the last yeah so i think he kind yeah. of represents all of those actors past, present, and future that will have a fall from grace and not handle it well in ultimately maybe the worst way in certain cases. I like yeah, I like that. I, I did forget about that scene. I like that scene a lot with the reporter. Um and I think that's yeah, I think that's an a a good interpretation because I do think you know, she clearly explains and I, and maybe that was the moment that Brad Pitt kind of realized, you know, he kind of, it's kind of a, his coming to Jesus moment that like, may, yeah, he, you're not that guy, not gonna, pal. Yeah. He's not going to be able to come back from whatever, wherever he was at. And, you know, her, the reporter, whatever she's calling this, she's going to be around forever because she's there to just sit and observe from the outskirts while everyone gets, you know, eaten up and spit out the other side of this like you said this machine that is hollywood so maybe that was like a turning point for brad because i can't remember exactly what happens how soon after that it happens after that scene with her but it probably is the the next scene is where he calls up the producer goes i'll do it 
like oh, the, crap, yeah, yeah. the crap movie. <laughs> he starts he's doing like, the shit. Basically, movies. like, I'll do it. Tell but, me the truth. <laughs> but just give me work, basically. I'll do your shit. Just pay me. So that's where he kind of accepts his new his new standing. It's right after she. Well, and that's where he makes him say openly to the producer, director, whoever is like, is this movie shit? And the guy concedes like, yeah, it's like, shit. Yeah, it's shit. He's like, all right, I'll yeah, do it. It's bad. And then he's like, okay. Because you kind of had to know on that front. I'm with you, Taylor. I just, it just feels like that's the beat to do with the guy that's bummed that they're not the center of attention anymore. And I guess that's where it's like, it'd be nice maybe if there was a different way they could have wrapped him up. Um, they just would have felt a little easier than just a bullet in his head. Um, but it's been, it's been done. It's so not out of left field. Too. Yeah. It's definitely not out of left field at all. Um, I guess it's just me wanting to see something, a different, uh, a different perspective on maybe how that could be handled, you know? So maybe that's the point that there's not. All right, guys, what do we got? Anything else on Babylon? No, I mean, I think it's clear that, that you know, it's worth watching and it's, it's worth a watch. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I doesn't, to me, it doesn't put Chazelle in a lesser light. You know, it's to me, this is a movie that I think just aspects of it got away from him. But in no way does this movie make me think like less of Chazelle or that he's less of a filmmaker, or less talented. Like this was clearly I one thing I do love about him and his movies is he's he he's not afraid. He's going to tell a story. And he's not afraid to do it in the way that he wants to. He's not going to cater to anyone else you know and I, I i that is one thing i do like about babylon it seemed like an unfettered passion project of his you know like mm-hmm. he wrote it he directed it the fact that it's a three hour plus long period piece of a movie tells me that he had full control of this movie that no you know no one was giving him notes or tailoring it down so i i respect that and i like chazelle's a great filmmaker babylon's to me is just as much evidence that he is as his other work um, just the way it's shot and um yeah, it's worth watching. I liked it. It's a good movie. Taylor, anything from you, bro? Um, I don't think it's for everyone. I think there's it's one, it's extremely long, and I think if you don't have an interest in kind of the history of Hollywood, you're probably not gonna like this movie. And it's kind of a lot. It's and also, if if you're against overly graphic and excessive content, I would avoid it because <laughs> it's it's pretty intense. It's very explicit. It yeah. is extremely. My hope for Chazelle is that his next movie is is smaller in scope. Just keep it tight. I I think he I think he's proven he can do some pretty complex stuff. But I would love it to get kind of to more like of a whiplash type story where it's just hyper focused on something and just seeing what we can kind of dig out of it. You know, I feel like first man got kind of sprawling with what he was trying to get into a little bit there. And like that was a well-made movie, but I don't know if it like had the it it was just kind of lacking a little bit. Um, So, yeah, first man's different, right? Because it's uh... different. It's like a studio to me. That was like his first like studio movie. Like I almost felt like first man feels like a studio contract type movie. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, we, we funded whiplash and or La La Land and you got to do a movie for us, you know? And so, cause first man, I don't, did he write first man? I don't think he to check on that one. Wrote it. Right. It's, I feel like that's the only one he, he didn't write himself. Didn't write. But 
I do like for I think first man I think it's it's he aged a lot better with time. No, so that 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 makes that movie unique. Josh Singer. Hmm. Mm. So, yeah, I you know we went big, we went excessive. Let's like tighten it up, see what we get, and then you know see the movie after that. Horror movie, maybe right? Keep it yeah. small. Follow somebody around. You could make an know. excellent horror movie. Could be exciting. He wrote Ten right. Cloverfield Lane, so it's that's in right. Him. I saw it's that, in him. and that's and that's a tight, well constructed little movie. I, I really like that movie. So it's we know he's him. got the chops. I I'm gonna keep like like you say, Bill Moore. Like I'm gonna keep watching whatever he's putting out. He's of course he's good at what he does. Um, this movie, like I'm with you though, Taylor. This movie's not for anybody. I think if you're really into movies, in the process of movies and just the industry, absolutely, this is gonna check some boxes for you. But if you're not, and you just like to watch just an entertaining movie. This probably isn't going to work. Yeah. Um, you know, and you're probably going to want to tap out early or it's not going to hit all the marks. So, well guys, this was a good one, man. I, I'm glad we got to hit these movies. Uh, I don't know what's next. I guess we got Oscars coming up. I want to, I want to yeah. talk whale when I see that movie. <laughs> I do too. He won, you know, our boy won the critics choice award. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Gave a great emotional speech in that. Um, I'm I'm assuming he'll get. He's got an Oscar coming his way. At least nomination coming his way. Looks like it. Um, do we have any? If, what was the? I mean, do you have any favorites that you hope to win Best Picture or Best Actor? Yeah, anything like anything that you're rooting for. Just off the cuff, and I need to probably reassess the whole year better. But I I would love to see Nope in the Best Picture category at least really? i don't think it wins i loved it dude i think that i did, I did excellent. too i rewatched nope. it with my wife and i i loved it so I on rewatch it it holds up i haven't seen i it loved it years. yeah yeah you you don't get the like oh what's going on kind of mystery part obviously but i felt like the themes and the way they the whole scenes are constructed and the acting and it's just so yeah because it's one I, of those movies that on a second watch you're definitely looking for different things now Right. You're yeah. not watching it for the same reasons. Now that you know the surface, you know, stuff that you get, you kind of go digging for other things. And I feel like, yeah, that that, that I, was a great movie. It's one of those movies I love the cast and I just love hanging out with them. You know, it's yeah. it's going back and being with them on the farm and just going through the shit. Like and Steven Yoon's so Steven good. Steven Yoon movie. is so he need dude, he's so, so good. good. I there might be another he's movie so I like better. Um, maybe I'm just off the top. I'm like that movie was so good. So, I don't know. Tay, you got one? I really like Banshees, man. And I need to see it. Banshees is solid. It's on HBO right now. Yeah, Bill I need Mo. I need yeah. to watch it. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one, and I also really like Fablemans. So those are probably my mm. my two. I mean, Top oh. Gun winning would be kind of fun. Oh yeah, Top Gun, I'd dude. That's cool got to be your pick, Bill Mo. That, right? That's my pick, dude. <laughs> Top Gun. Yeah. For you know, if not for any other reason other than the movie just kicks so much ass, and just br- really brought back, just you know, it brought back people to the theater, in my opinion, and it it just, and it, I don't know, you know how I feel about Top Gun Maverick. It's it oh, was yeah, the best movie of the year, and I think it needs to get. Minimum, it needs to get a Best Picture nom. Um, although I can't really, th- I mean, I, I haven't really looked into again because I haven't seen everything. But like, I can't think of like a clear. There's not like doesn't sound like there's a clear standout 
winner this year for Best Picture. Sounds like Fablemans could be up there. It's Spielberg. It's Hollywood, you know, sucking its own dick kind of thing. What about Tar? So, I, I, I feel like that gets tossed around a lot with critics. Or is that I too... really want to see that, too, because I, yeah. I heard she's going to win. Yeah. I feel like she's a clear standout favorite. She won the Critics' Choice. Um, so, I don't know. Hopefully, her and Brendan can pull it off. Yep. Okay, so we got Oscars coming up. And most important, we'll end on this, Shyamalan season. We got a new M. Night movie coming out. So, Hell yeah. We've got more content for the podcast. Because I'm sure gonna... we'll see it. I'm sure we... I'm going to see it. Maybe we should do like a, a year in review. You know, maybe the best of 2022, worst of 2022. Yeah. You know, maybe we come together, get the other guys on. We just kind of talk about some of our ones we haven't spent a lot of time on the pod discussing. Just kind of a brief overview. I think it'd be fun. Right on. Yeah, right, the, the, it makes me mad that Shyamalan's going to get me back in the seat in the theater. You're going, bro. You're going. Because <laughs> the going. trailer. I saw the I I mean I've seen both the new trailer that came out for it and I'm just like you're like you're going. Of course it's I, dumb, I, dude. It's so freaking dumb. It looks dumb. so stupid, man. It looks so stupid and Bautista's character, I'm just like <laughs> oh, I don't know, dude. I Old think we got so fucking bad. I think we got to see that together. Yeah. I think we need to. We, I think we probably do have to and then we pod immediately after. We pod yes. immediately <laughs> after. Instant reaction. <laughs> It yes, looks so bring bad. Carling too. I want to hear Carling's reaction to it as well. It'll be perfect. Ew, man. All right, it's a date. It's a mandate. Gentlemen, Taylor, thank you as always. Thank you for the editing you're going to do on this one. Appreciate you, brother. <laughs> you're welcome. It's a labor of love. I know. Bilmo, love your analysis, brother. So so glad to have you on every time. It's good to talk always to fantastic. you guys. All right, gentlemen. Until next time, we're out.